Alright, notice verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What I'm going to uh, do this morning, I want to start a series of messages about on spiritually discerned. And we're going to look at several things over the next few weeks that are spiritually discerned. There are some things that you are not going to ever be able to understand without the Spirit of God. You're not going to be able to understand them unless you are saved. And even if you are saved, there are some things you're not going to figure out with, you know, just by learning facts, just by, you know, flowery speech and things like that. These are things you learn spiritually. We should want the Spirit of God teaching us things. That's how we really get to truth. That's how we can really get to the heart of the issue. And if we understand what things are spiritually discerned, it'll help us to go to the Spirit to figure these things out instead of sources that can often get us in trouble. And so this morning, what we're going to mainly focus on is what's being talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we see this phrase, you know, about where it talks about things that are spiritually discerned. And we're going to specifically talk about the gospel. Because the gospel is something that is spiritually discerned. A lot of people, you know, they've got to figure it out. You know, they all know 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. You know, everybody knows in here, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We all know the right answers. If somebody comes and knocks on our door and they say, you know, hey, if you die today, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? We all know exactly what we should say because we've heard it preached. Okay? We know what we're supposed to say. Some of us in here, we've memorized a script. Okay? We've got a script memorized. We've got it down. But at the end of the day, we don't get it. We don't really understand it. We know how to, we know what people are supposed to say, and we know how to pound people over the head if they don't say the right thing. But when it comes to actual spiritual discernment and actual real deep understanding, a lot of people don't have it. And that's not, that's not a good thing. And when it comes to the gospel, doesn't matter how many questions you can answer right on a you know, trivia paper. Okay, the question is: is do you really understand it? Because these things are taught us by the Holy Spirit of God, and without that, you're not going to get it. Nobody is going to understand the gospel without the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I'm not like a Calvinist where. You know, I think that the Holy Spirit doesn't try to teach some people. I believe the Holy Spirit tries to teach everyone. But some people reject it. Some people reject those things. But at the same time, without the Holy Spirit, you can't, there's some things you're just not going to understand. And specifically the gospel, we're going to talk about that. But Baptists, you know, we've always been known for being a little on the contentious side. Right? Has anybody ever heard that rumor about us before that Baptists are sometimes a little contentious, especially fundamental Baptists? Especially new independent fundamental Baptists, right? No. We're, we're, we're kind of known for that. Um, I have no defense for that. That's definitely true. You know, we've always been good at looking for ways to show how much better we are than everyone else. And don't get me wrong, we are better than everyone else, but we're not supposed to admit that, right? You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm having fun with you. I'm just telling you what y'all are really thinking, okay? But, you know, I heard the joke years ago about, you know, this, uh, you know, and I'll get myself in trouble just for this religion I'm picking out. But this old Presbyterian fella died and he went to heaven. And while he was in heaven, you know, the angels showing him around heaven and showing him all these mansions. And he met Jesus and a lot of the old saints and everything. And he takes him by this one area and it was just kind of walled off. There's this big group of people. He can hear him out there just celebrating, praising the Lord, having a good time. And he's just like, 
who are those people? And the angel told him, he's like, you need to be quiet. Those are the Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. You know, and so, you know, uh, I know that didn't really happen, but I could see it happening someday. There's going to be a lot of Baptists when they get to heaven. They're going to be really surprised at some of the people they see there. And my, as my dad always used to say, they're also going to be surprised at the people who they don't see there. They're going to be very surprised by that. Those are going to be the two big surprises when we get to heaven. My dad used to say that all the time. And so, you know, the, in, in the new IFB world, you know, we're no different in this area. And one of the main areas where the new IFBers love to virtual, virtue signal is in the area of a crystal clear gospel. You know, if you lose any other argument, well, at least I'm strong in the gospel. You know, yeah, but you're acting like an idiot. Yeah, but I'm a soul winner. Uh, you know, yeah, well, yeah, but you're, you're, you're wrong about this issue here. Yeah, but I'm right in the gospel. You know, you know, and that's what they always do. Okay. And especially if you get in an argument, if it's like between a new IFB and maybe another, you know, IFB Baptist or something, they'll just kind of go to that area where they're better and they'll ignore the area where they're dead wrong. Okay. That's super carnal and it's super lame, frankly, but it's also a very common thing to do. And, you know, we should all, do our best to sharpen up our gospel presentation. We want to make it as clear as possible. I'm for that. Uh, we've done a lot of teaching here to help with that. We try to avoid bad terminology because we don't want to send mixed messages to people. Okay? And, and, and it's an important thing to do. Uh, there was one time, two people in a row, I talked to here in Rock Falls about giving them the gospel. Two people in a row, and I gave them the gospel just the way I always do. I you know, emphasize that wasn't of works. You know, I, I'm going through all these things. And when I told them all that, they're like, yeah, I believe all these. I, they're telling me they believe everything I said. I said, well, hey, would you like to call on the Lord for salvation? Do you believe if you, if you called on the Lord right now, he'd save you? Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Well, you want to do that? And they said, no. And I said, why not? I said, I don't think I'm ready to give up my sins. I'm like, I didn't tell you, I, you know, what, what sins did I tell you you had to quit? I didn't tell them that. Now, they've heard that other places is what's happened. Okay? They've heard that other places, but understand the reason that, you know, they didn't come up with that because of what I said. Okay? What I said was accurate. And I remember, I, I, was, I forgot who was with me today. I had two people in a row. The one person after that, they didn't get saved. The other person, you know, after I just kind of went over it again, and I said, you know, that's not what I'm, I'm saying, and I showed them what the Bible said about that. I kind of realized where their hang-up was. They ended up getting saved. All of a sudden, they realize, hey, it's not about what I think I'm capable of doing. It's about what Jesus has already did for me. And they were thrilled at the good news. And they got saved. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches. All right? It's the Holy Spirit that helps people have understanding. And so even if you say all the right things, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work in their heart, they're not going to get it. And you know, even if you say some things, you mess something up a little bit. If the Holy Spirit is at work, in fact, you can give a really sorry presentation. And if the Holy Spirit's working, and if they will yield to the Holy Spirit, they can still get saved, even with a sorry presentation. That can, that can happen, and we've got to understand that. And so, you know, a, a term that we hear a lot in this movement is the term muddy gospel. Okay, muddy gospel. And But here's something about that term muddy gospel. Now, this is something we like to do in denominations is we like to, you know, make up terms, make up rules, and almost add things to the Scriptures as a way to kind of help us 
win arguments. But this term muddy gospel, it's not a biblical term. This is something I believe it came from Curtis Hudson, who is real big on preaching on a crystal clear salvation, right? which is good. Again, hey, let's try to straighten out our terminology. Let's encourage people to be clear in what they're saying. Let's encourage preachers to not send mixed messages and mixed signals. We definitely need to encourage people to do that, but often people who maybe aren't real clear, we accuse them of muddying up the gospel and then thus declaring them false prophet, reprobate, whatever we need them to be that day. We often often do that. But here's the thing about it, though. Anybody who gets saved is because of one gospel. Do you know there's not multiple gospels? There's not a clear gospel and a muddy gospel. And you know a lot of people who we would consider a little muddy actually get people saved? So did they get them saved with a muddy gospel or with the gospel? Everybody gets saved with the gospel. Y'all understand that? So we got to watch this because we're putting these labels and brands on people that just aren't biblical. And it has, it's become nothing more than an extra biblical way to cause division and for people to get puffed up. Okay, and what does it mean to be puffed up? It means you got a lot of size, but you're just full of hot air is all there is to it. Okay, there's a lot of puff, but there's nothing to it. That's all, that's all there is to it. And I think a good way to illustrate this too, uh, when I was at my dad's church, uh, there was a young man there who got saved. And after he got saved, you know, he was one of these who just kind of got on fire for the Lord. And he heard we have soul winning in our church, but he wasn't able to go soul winning during the soul winning times that we went on. So he just started grabbing tracks and went on his own. Never went out soul winning with anybody. You know, didn't have anybody train him. He just heard Christians supposed to go soul winning. And so he just went and did it. And and I'll never forget it because he told me about this later. He's kind of embarrassed about it for a while, but then, you know, later he started going with this and he learned. But what he was pretty much doing, he would take some tracks, he would go up to a house, knock on their door, they'd answer. He's like, hi, my name's Joe. I used to smoke pot, but then I got saved, and now I go to church. You know? <laughs> and that was just pretty much it, you know. That, that, was, that was his presentation, okay. Now, had the new IFB been around back then, that guy would have been labeled muddy gospel, reprobate, you know, unsaved, heretic. But what, now let me ask you, was he muddying up the gospel or was he just doing the best he could with what he had? He was doing the best he could with what he had. And you know what? This guy, while he wasn't really getting people saved out knocking doors, was really good at bringing people into church and getting them saved there where they would hear something clear. And so this this young man who had a love for the Lord, who had a desire to do things right, who didn't have any good terminology, who had a horrible presentation, who had zero training, was able was getting the job done because his heart was right. He was following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And eventually, you know, he got these other things down. Eventually, he learned how to go through the Romans road and how to present things to people in a good way. Eventually, all those things happened. But when we go and accuse him of muddying up the gospel. That would be foolish to, to do that type of thing. And there's a lot of people out there that are good people. They're following the Lord the best they can. They're doing the best they know how. They're working with what they've been taught. But not all of them have been blessed to have what we all have. Not all of them have been around the kind of preaching that we've been around, the kind of had the kind of training that we have had. A lot of people have just been kind of on their own, just doing the best they can with what they have. And you know what? The Lord's still using those people. Because at the end of the day, it's not about our crystal clear expert presentation. It's about the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches people. And so you go out there with your just crystal clear, perfect, polished, no bad terminology presentation that you got straight from the Soul Winning Conference in Detroit. I mean, you go with that and you go out there with your puffed up attitude and your arrogant spirit. You're not going to get accomplish anything because the Holy Spirit's not going to be with you. But you can be some guy that was smoking pot not that long ago who gets saved, who loves the Lord, who's doing his best, and the Lord will accomplish more with somebody like that than some knucklehead that thinks they know it all because they've got all the terminology down. Because they've listened to all. They were blessed to have maybe come up in a church, gotten saved in a church that teaches things right. They've been blessed to be around people that know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the most important thing. And so the truth is, I hope that next year in 2021, that my gospel presentation is more clear than it was this year in 2020. But if next year I become a little better at soul winning, does it mean I was muddying up the gospel in 2020? Because isn't that what we're accusing people of that have bad terminology that maybe aren't real clear? We accuse them of muddying up the gospel and at the end, but at the end of the day, they're getting people saved. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that's the best teacher. They're doing the best they can with what they have. Hey, and if we can help them clean up their presentation, I think that'd be great. I think we should try to help other people clean up their presentation. But you know what's probably not going to help other people clean up their presentation is us going, them finding a video first on YouTube of them, us exposing them as being unsaved false prophets. You know, that's probably not going to work. Now, that's going to work for getting me some popularity, get me some YouTube views. That's going to work for me, you know, assembling the mob together, you know, calling in the jackals to come and just attack. That'll work out good for that. But as far as accomplishing anything, it's not going to do. And I'm telling you, this messed up attitude that people have is why they're not growing spiritually. Well, we've got a lot of people who've got the right gospel that have no growth, no fruit of the Spirit, none at all. They have a wicked spirit, an ungodly spirit that turn people away from the things of God. They never grow spiritually. And so this crystal clear gospel movement, it should be something that we use to, to encourage soul winners to think about their terminology. Hey, think about what you're saying here. Think about what message this is sending. And I'm going to say more about this in the message I preach tonight. But did you know in the Bible, they don't have just one way of presenting the gospel. Jesus didn't even have just one way. We're going to look. There's a bunch of different ways they went. Why? Because they were trying to get to the heart of where that person was at. You know what that's going to take to figure that out? Some spiritual discernment. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Hey, anybody can go out there and say a script. And a script can get the job done. Okay? If, if, it's, a, if it's a good script, it can get the job done. But it's funny, the same people that want to go off a script also say that a gospel track can't get the job done either. It's got to have a preacher. Why isn't that a preacher? If it's the same words, hey, it, listen, if somebody listens to my preaching online, is it really a preacher or is it a bunch of digital X's and O's and all that stuff that I don't understand? You know, how is that a preacher? Well, how, how are the words of God not preaching? I believe it is preaching. And so... If that's not preaching, then your memorized script that you're just going out and saying isn't either. And you need to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit in these things. And unfortunately, that's not what it is. All it is is 
we're trying to tell people, hey, be careful using this term because this is always confusing people. Well, then you got the robots out there that hear that, and all they do is determine, hey, this is another word. If we hear somebody use it, unsaved, reprobate. You know, you do have to be careful and make sure you're clear today when you're talking about repentance, making sure you're getting the right message out there. But you know, repentance is a biblical word. Do you know a lot of people have the right understanding of repentance? A lot of people do. I talked to a lady yesterday, and when she said, we're talking about how to go to heaven, she said, you have to repent of your sins. I asked her, I said, well, what does that mean to you to repent of your sins? And she said, well, it means to ask for forgiveness. Okay? You know what? That doesn't make you a heretic, if that's what you believe. But these people hear that, they see it on a doctrinal statement, and they lose their mind. It's like they've been programmed when they see the word repentance, that it just flags that word and just reprobate, reprobate, reprobate. I mean, that's exactly what they do. And then you can have a preacher out there that's full of the Holy Ghost, a preacher out there doing a great work for the Lord, getting people saved, and they'll declare them unsaved. And they think this is of God. They think this is of the Lord. It's absolutely ridiculous. But let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, and let's look through this passage here, because there's a lot of great insight that we can get from this that will help us understand some things that I'm afraid many people don't understand about salvation. People who could answer a salvation trivia question, you know, test 100%. They, they, they could do that, but at the same time, they don't get this. But it says in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So notice Paul, he didn't come with his fancy presentation. He didn't come with his big words. You know, he didn't come in talking like James White with all his theological terms that nobody understands. You know, and he didn't come waltzing in like a new eye of beer with all his accurate terms. You know, he, he didn't do that. That's not how he didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom. He just came declaring them the testimony of God. He came talking about Jesus is what he did. And you see, because without the working of the Holy Spirit, your greatest presentation will be a failure. John 6:44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You all understand, God uses us. God uses the soul winner. The Holy Spirit uses man. But the thing is, man can go do his own thing without the Holy Spirit. And, if, and you're not guaranteed to take the Holy Spirit with you every time you go out soul winning. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you out, you're not going to get the job done. I don't care. I, I don't care if you answer all their questions. I don't care if you've got it all ready to go. I mean, you do it polished. You don't even say, uh, your entire presentation. You say every word perfect. I'm telling you, without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get it done. And many people are, I, I believe they're going out there absent of the Holy Ghost. And it's pretty evident that the Holy Ghost is not a part of their life because I, I just don't see where the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you to reprobate save people and to just be taking away salvation and to be going out there with a the crystal clear salvation that's not of works, an easy salvation, but yet it seems like nobody's saved according to you. I mean, it's like, how did anybody get saved before the new IFB according to these people? It, it's, it's, it, it's truly astounding. You know, but that's the attitude these people have. So verse 2 says, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Okay? So notice Paul said, my preaching was the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, why? that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now listen, thank God for wisdom of men. Thank God for a, a lot of the wise advice that I have heard and been taught when it comes to soul winning. Thank God for people who will go out there. I, mean, I encourage you, if you don't have the DVDs of the soul winning, uh, soul winning conference, you should get those. Watch the seminars on soul winning. Pastor Anderson did. There's a lot of wisdom in there that can be a great help to you. Okay, A lot of just really good practical advice to help you avoid making a lot of mistakes and to help you, you know, just be clear. There's a lot of, there's a lot that can be gained from that, but at the same time, without the power of the Holy Spirit, that wisdom won't get anything done. You gotta have the Holy Spirit too. We can't forget about that. We've got all the wisdom down, but we don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna accomplish anything. And so we don't, we don't want to just go off the wisdom of man. We want the power of God. And so this is why new believers often with very sorry gospel presentations are often very successful. I mean, they're usually better at getting people into church than, you know, people who've been saved for years are. And I think part of that is like, you know, how are they so good at getting people into church? Well, because their presentation stinks so bad, they're probably not going to get saved from that. But God's still going to use them to get them saved. And so God puts the, you know, the Spirit gets on them and gets them into church so they can hear the gospel and get saved. That's what I think is going on. You know, that person is demonstrating the power of God. They have the power of God in their life. And yet, you're not going to hear, nobody's going to get saved because somebody says, my name is Joe, I used to smoke pop, and now I got saved, now I go to church. Nobody's going to get saved from that. However, though, if that same person has the Holy Spirit on them, the Lord might use them to get that person in church so they can hear a clear gospel and get saved. And so I'm not going to go attacking the guy with that sorry presentation there that's got the Holy Spirit in his life. He, they're getting the job done. They're doing, they're doing great things where the person that's out there getting 45 people saved every week, they could never get anybody into the church. You know, because they're, they've got a horrible attitude. They got a, in fact, they drive people out of the church. They make people not want to come to church. They're the people that everybody says, I don't want to go to church because of these type of people. They're that person. And yet they think they're so much better. I don't believe it. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And so this is why, you know, uh, this, you know, there's a lot of preachers out there who have not adopted all of our terminology but yet they're getting people saved. They're doing a work for the Lord. You know why? They have the power of God in their ministries. They've got the Holy Spirit. They're yielding the Holy Spirit in their life. They're, they, they love the Lord and they're getting the job done. They might not demonstrate a lot of wisdom, but they demonstrate the power of God. They get out there and you know, maybe they don't know, they don't know a whole lot. You know, they'll get up there. I ain't no theologian. You know, and I'm not talking about people want to brag on their stupidity, but you know, I just, you know, Lord save me, he can save anybody. And that's just kind of their attitude. And, you know, they don't say a whole lot. They don't use a whole lot of scripture. But somehow God will use that person to just get the message out and people get saved. People get saved in these churches. I wish I could tell you Baptists are the only ones getting saved. 
Right? That would make it a little easier to get people in Baptist churches. But it's, it's just, it's not true. It's not the case. And so we've got to understand these things. You know, this doesn't mean, too, when Paul said, when he, you know, he demonstrated the power of the Spirit and the power of God, this also does not mean that he put on an emotional spectacle. That's what a lot of people think that is. But somehow, what I believe it means, because a lot of people think, you know, the power of God falling is when we have a real emotional service. You know, when everybody's crying, everybody's at the altar, you know, people are running the aisles. That's a demonstration of the power of God. You know, they think the demonstration of the power of God is just a big, dramatic prayer, you know, that a preacher can pray. I mean, he knows how to just bring the house down with his prayer. Have you ever known preachers like that? that can do, you know, I know some that are really good at it. When they pray, you know, everybody's paying attention. You know, it's, it's really dramatic. And, you know, and a lot of people think, you know, he's got the power of God all over him, you know. Well, maybe not. But, you know, you know God can still use those people, too. Okay, I get it. We're, we're northerners. We're northern Illinois. We don't get emotional. That's, that's not how we work. But did you know in some places, in some cultures, that's just how they are. And God uses that type of thing. You know, and there's preachers that are like that. They're going to be, there's a group of people they're going to be able to reach that I probably won't be able to reach. There's a lot of people, too, that will be turned off to that type of thing that won't be turned off to the way I am. And you, and you know what? They can get saved in both places. That's all, that's all there is to it. But what it means, though, when he's talking about putting on display that, you know, the power of God, I believe it's when somehow God uses that saved person to show the sinner a powerful Savior that can save them from their sins. See, that's where a lot of people are at today when you, when you try witnessing to them. It's like, how can I be saved? You know, how could, you know, I can't change my life. I can't, you know, I, I, I've messed up too bad. But somehow God is able to use people to get it through that person's head that no, the blood of Christ can cleanse you of all your sins. And that's exactly what happens. And there, there's been many times... I've given people crystal clear presentations, and yet it it just didn't register. Sometimes it's because they reject it. Sometimes maybe it's just because the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Like I said before, I've given these things before, and people are like, I just can't stop sinning. And I didn't tell you you have to stop sinning. I never said I stopped sinning. Hey, we're all still sinful every day, but folks, whenever I... Whenever I give a presentation and people say that, it's not because I gave a bad plan of salvation. Okay, it's a lot of times it's because a bad plan of salvation is still in their head. Sometimes they just don't have ears to hear. Sometimes they're just not listening. You know, they're tuning out the Holy Spirit, maybe. But it's never because of my presentation when that happens. Okay, but, you know, and when that takes place, you know, you sometimes have to move on. But, or, and just pray for that person. Pray that the Holy Spirit. We'll just continue doing the work. Pray that maybe when you leave, Lord, please, you know, lay on their heart. Show them where they're wrong. And, you know, hopefully they'll remember what we said. They can read that gospel track. And they can hopefully get saved later. We, we never really know for sure. But look at what it says in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 2. So it says, how be it? This is what I want you to understand. This is, you really need to get this part here. So he's been talking. Uh, he's talking about how his preaching wasn't with enticing words of man's wisdom demonstration of the spirit and power and then he says in verse six how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught okay 
as Christians, there's salvation that we preach. There's that plan of salvation that is very simple. It's so simple, Jesus was able to tell a woman to drink of the water that he would give her and she'll never thirst again. Jesus was able to tell Nicodemus he must be born again. He was able to tell others, I am the door. He would give these simple messages like that and people would get it. The plan of salvation is so easy. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, when a person gets saved, do they all of a sudden now, are they downloaded with all the doctrines of atonement and sanctification? Okay, folks, we learn these things after salvation. Okay, this, and, and isn't it great when we learn more about our salvation? Okay? That should happen in church, okay? We're, pre, we're learning more about what Jesus Christ did for us. This is called wisdom. We speak wisdom to them that are perfect, to them that are complete, to them who are saved, we teach these things. And many of these things that people are using to bash other people over the head with and declare other preachers unsaved with, it's the wisdom that we speak after salvation. It's not because they've got a bad gospel. It's because of the fact that you know maybe they haven't learned all the things about salvation that we have learned. Things that we learned after we got saved. Not before we got saved. After we got saved. And there's many churches today, they preach such little doctrine that these people can be just, they're going to be just as saved as they were when they got saved five years ago, but they haven't learned any wisdom. They haven't gained any wisdom about that salvation. They don't have a deeper understanding about it, but, and that's too bad, but do we, do, do we have the right to tell these people they're lost? No, not if they're not. We have no right to do that. So we get deep and doctrinal with the saved, but not with the lost. And so I'm not going to necessarily, when I go out soul winning, I'm not going to go tell the story, you know, include the story of the Passover and its represent, and the, the sacrificial lamb and how it represented Jesus Christ who was going to come to earth someday and pay, pay for this. I'm not going to do that unless maybe I'm witnessing to a Jew. If I'm witnessing to a Jew, I might bring up the Passover lamb. But, you know, just your average Joe that probably doesn't even know what the Passover is, I'm not going to bring that up. But will I ever preach a sermon here about that to all of you? Oh, yeah. We have before. We, we talk about these things. We don't talk about it in our gospel presentation. You know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, but again, too, I might bring that up if I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me. If this person said something that I feel like, hey, this might help give them a better understanding, if the Spirit leads me to, I will, but it's not going to be in just my everyday presentation. You know, and the truth is, I don't have a set presentation. I try, I try to figure out where people are coming from and go from there. And that's what Jesus did. And we'll see that tonight, but in 1 Corinthians 2, 7, it says, but we speak the wisdom of God. Okay, this isn't salvation. This is the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us. How? By his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And boy, thank God for the deep things that we learn about salvation. I mean, folks, I love studying things about just just the doctrines of Jesus as our high priest. 
and how that relates with the Old Testament and all the things that they did and how Jesus has completed all of that for us. I didn't learn that before I got saved. You learn that after you get saved. Okay? There's so many things that we can go to from the Old Testament that teaches about salvation. Wednesday, we talked about Abraham uh, when he went to go sacrifice Isaac. And we talked about salvation there. We don't include that in our gospel presentation. Okay? There's some pretty deep stuff there. But at the same time, do we not enjoy hearing these things? This, this is the wisdom that we're learning. These are the deep things. These are the things that the Holy Spirit reveals. We've looked at things as we've been going through the book of Genesis. I mean, some real deep things. Some of the meat that the Apostle Paul pulled from the book of Genesis that I look at that and think, I never would have got that. But yet, I have it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to the Apostle Paul and he was able to share that with me. And because I have the Spirit of God, I understand that. Man, that's that's good stuff there. But is, is a lost person going to figure that out? No, there's no way. They're, they're not going to understand that. Now, but let me ask you this. Could we teach a lost person to repeat back accurate facts? Like if I, you know, I could teach a lost person here. Okay, if anybody ever asks you, who is our high priest? Say Jesus. You know. All right, who's the high priest? Jesus. You know. How many times does Jesus have to enter into the holy place and make intercession for the world? Once. Can you all remember that? One. All right, if anybody ever asked you that question, one time. He did it once for all those that were before and for everyone in the future. He entered one time into that holy place. Not the one made with hands. We can all memorize these facts. Okay? I can teach you all these things. And then we could use these things to get ourselves puffed up and go find somebody and ask them questions about Jesus as a high priest. They don't even know this stuff. How could they be saved? They don't, they haven't accepted Jesus as their high priest. Hey, if they got saved, they'd accepted Jesus as their high priest. They just don't know it yet. But we, you know, and we eventually like to teach them that. But if I had a big enough personality, if I had a big enough authority behind me, if I had a bigger, big enough social media lynch mob behind me, I could declare that a requirement for salvation. You must understand the doctrines of Jesus Christ as our high priest, and then we could go around just, I mean, condemning everyone to hell that doesn't understand all that. And then you got, you guys could help me find the false prophets. All right, I want you to go look, find pastors out there who don't seem to understand this, don't have it on their doctrinal statement. I want you to email them, ask them questions, call them up, and if they don't say this right, we're going to mark them. Because we were told to mark and avoid all the heretics. You know, you realize just how wicked and a waste of time that is and how carnal that is? But that's a pretty common practice these days, and I think it's pretty disgusting. But these things that we learned, we, God revealed them to us by His Spirit. And so, all of us should still be learning about salvation. Okay, after you get saved, you should learn more about salvation. Okay, and, and a lot of what we teach when it comes to repentance, we learn after salvation when it comes to what repentance is. We, we learn these things after salvation. Because at the same time, too, you know, again, it is a hard thing to understand how in the world could, you know, I stay saved when I still have all the sin in my life. And that's where the doctrines of Jesus, our high priest, help. Because he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I'm, I'm still saved. You know, a lot of things about eternal security. I understand you have to accept eternal security. 
you know, before you get saved. But at the same, are you going to understand all the things about it? Are you going to understand the ins and outs about it? You're going to be able to make a defense for it? No, you're not going to be able to do all that. You learn these things after salvation, and they strengthen our faith. They help us grow as Christians. And a lot of these things that we know, a lot of the things that we've learned, it took us years to learn. Okay, and, and maybe though you learned it fast, but that's because somebody taught it to you, and it took them years to learn. And you are very blessed to have it handed to you. Thank God for that. Thank God if you had it handed to you. And so, you know, for you then to just go around now, just bashing everybody that doesn't have it yet, instead of you just trying to freely offer it to them, you know, that shows a pretty wicked attitude. That shows somebody who's puffed up, somebody who is contentious. So, you know, the truths of how about how we stay saved, they're not understood by new believers. They, they, they don't get that. The truth about whether someone will repent of sins after salvation is something we learn about after salvation. Because, too, I think a lot of people, when they get saved, they have this attitude, you know, I, I want to be a better person. You know, because a lot of people, their lives are a mess because of their sin. They want to repent of their sins. They want to quit sinning. But then, after they get saved, they learn, start learning things like, you know, if I just hate somebody in my heart, I'm, I'm a murderer. Man, you know, if you look at a woman of lust, you've committed adultery in your heart, I'm an adulterer. I'm, I'm all these things. And then they, but they learn more about imputed righteousness. They learn, you know, and as they learn these things, it helps them and encourages them. You're not going to get all, all of that as soon as you get saved. It comes later. We learn these things and it strengthens our faith. And so somebody, after they first get saved, they could easily get mixed up in some of this stuff. They could easily get mixed up in some bad doctrine. They're still saved. So we've got to, we've got to have some grace. So verse 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, okay, like a super perfect doctrinal statement. Okay? Hey, let's have a good doctrinal statement. Okay? Let's keep it as clear as possible. Let's, you know, let's do that. But those are really just words that man's wisdom teaches. Hey, you know what? I learned when I worded things this way, it often sent this message. So we're going to change the wording of it a little bit to just make it more clear. You know, and that, that's man's wisdom. But at the, at the end of the day, we don't want to just speak, not words as man's wisdom teaches, but which, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We, the Holy Ghost is the best teacher in the world. The best teacher in the world. I can teach you how to memorize verses. I can teach you how to memorize facts. But it's the Holy Ghost that is actually going to teach things to you to where you now know how to apply them across the board. And that's what we're seeing today. People, when they're throwing any type of curveball at all in this movement, they don't know what to do. And that, that, and you know, I get it. We're supposed to, you know, beware of false prophets. We're supposed to mark people. I get that. But yet they know the fact, oh, we should mark people, but yet they can't figure out who to mark. They're always getting the wrong people. Why? No spiritual discernment. No spiritual discernment at all. They can't figure out 
you know, who's saved and who's not saved when they're witnessing to people because these people said something that sounded a little weird and in my computer type brain that I have, you know, that statement is not programmed, therefore I still think they're not saved. But, you know, if you had a little spiritual discernment, you could figure it out. And, you know, it's, it's really not that hard. It's really not that hard. You know, and I have, I've heard people who use terminology that I wouldn't use, but at the same time, I, you know what? It's like, okay, I, I, yeah, I disagree with that statement that they made right there, but you know what? This person does seem to just love the Lord quite a bit. He does seem to be demonstrating the Holy Spirit in his life. He seems to be demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, but he said repent of sins. You know, I, I, you know, I don't care. Okay, My discernment is telling me this guy's good. And I, that's what I'm going to go off of. Okay, I'm not going to go off your checklist. I don't care about it. I'm going to go, I, you know, and the Holy Spirit leads us in these things. And so it is, it's amazing how many people I've talked to who they hate everyone with a muddy gospel because the muddy gospel stopped them from getting saved. Okay? You know, one of the famous, uh, you know, muddy gospel haters that was going around just, you know, shooting down everybody that was good, Kenneth McCraney. He was like, I was in hell for years. He kept saying that. I, I literally went through hell because he couldn't figure out how to get saved. I, I was always bothered by that statement. You went through hell, all right, on earth, not burning, you know, getting fed. You're going to call that hell? I don't think you understand hell yet. No, I, I literally, he said, I literally went through hell. He told me that to my face. Because he was trying to figure out how to get saved, but everybody's telling me I had to repent of his sins, all this stuff. But, you know, here's the thing. I'll bet that's not what people are telling him. Now, that might have been what he was hearing in his head. But here's the thing. If these people were so sincere, then why didn't the Holy Ghost teach them? I mean, doesn't it seem like the Holy Ghost tends to get the job done really well? Isn't it interesting how we can give a perfect presentation, people get the wrong message? Why? The Holy Ghost isn't working. But yet somebody can give a sorry message, a sorry presentation, they still get saved. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is teaching them. Hey, if you were so right on the right path, I mean, you were drawing nigh to God, all that kind of stuff, how come it was so hard for you to get saved? I don't believe it was because of the muddy gospel. I don't believe that at all. I think you're using that because you want an excuse to just tear somebody down. I think you're still in turmoil. I think you still don't have any confidence in the salvation you have. I think you know all the right things to say about salvation, but you don't have it in your heart. That's what I think. That's what my experience tells me. That's what my discernment tells me is that you are not saved. You know all the right things to say. But yet at the same time, you exhibit zero of spiritual discernment at all. And that's just me. You're not going to stand before me on Judgment Day. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, if you believe in your heart, you're saved. But when I see you act in that way, it gets me scratching my head a little bit. I, I get confused by that kind of thing. And if you want to get confused because of somebody's doctrinal statement on their salvation, I get confused because of your sorry spirit and your devil-like attitude. If I, I, I can feel get confused if you can get confused by that. So I, I think that's wrong. So these things Paul is talking about here said it's not just the gospel itself, but it's the spiritual things we learn 
after salvation. So when it comes to the basics of the gospel, God tries to reveal these things to people, but the things, you know, he, you know, he tries to reveal the basics of the gospel so they can be, get saved. But the things we're talking about right now, when it comes to the things we learn after salvation, God doesn't even try to reveal those to people. He doesn't, he doesn't even try. They're not capable of it until they get saved. They got to get that part down first. You had the Pharisees. They were always wanting to know these deep things and wanting Jesus to ask these deep questions. But then he would always just kind of take it right back to the gospel because it's like, you got to get this first. You know, I'm not giving you the deep stuff. It is not for you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. It's for those who are saved. It's for those who are of faith. You got to get that down first. And yet people have somehow managed to take these deeper things that we preach and we put it out there for all to hear. And they hear enough of it to memorize the facts. And yet they put, they have no display of the Holy Spirit in their life and they only use those things to condemn. That's weird. That's not right. That is not of God. That is not of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not falling for that. Somebody comes in here and they know all the right answers to the questions that they've heard me ask a million times on YouTube. You, know, you haven't convinced me of anything. I want to see the Holy Spirit. I want to see if you have the ability to discern literally anything. But nope. And this is what people do too. You know, when you call them out for marking a good guy, okay? Well, Brother Tom, you marked this person. And it's like, the thing is, they, they're not able to see the differences. And there's many differences in, in many of these cases. You know, and so like, you'll mark some bozo that's out there, some, you know, known false prophet, and you'll kind of give a list of things. You know, they said this, they said this, they said this, and then all of a sudden they got another list. And then they find somebody that does one thing, says one thing that the known false prophet did, and then they go take that and they apply it to everyone else who uses that term. You know what that, you know why they do that? No discernment. No discernment at all. And we'll talk more about that tonight. But, uh, you know, verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Just because he can't know them doesn't mean he can't memorize facts that he hears me say and say them, repeat them back to me. But he can't understand them. He knows all the right things to say, but he can't understand it. He can't apply it. And verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. That person is actually spiritual. They're going to know how to apply these things from situation to situation. Because they've got the Spirit. for Because they actually know it and they understand it. But it says, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So these things that you learn after salvation, these are things that you should rejoice in. When we learn these things about our salvation, folks, we rejoice in it. We look at these things from the Old Testament that teach us about our salvation, and we are amazed at the Word of God and at the power of God. We are amazed by these things. Yet some people take these things and it's not an opportunity for them to just enjoy God and be amazed at God. It's more ammo to attack people. That is not of God. That is not of the Holy Spirit. And I'm disgusted by it. I don't want to have anything to do with that type of thing. I don't want to have anything to do with these lynch mobs and these jackals that want to take good spiritual truths 
and only use it as a way to just condemn everyone that's out there. And I, I, th- I think it's completely out of place and wrong. And the spiritual things that God teaches us and the things that God reveals, these are not things that we should be using to cause contention and division and be throwing people in hell with. God did not reveal these things to you for that reason. God did not reveal these things to you to get you puffed up. But yet that's what's happening. He gave them for you because he wanted you to rejoice in them. He wants you to draw closer to him. And if you realize that these things are spiritual, then the last thing you're going to do is to try to shove them down people's throats. You know what you're going to do? If somebody seems like they're struggling with it, you're going to be praying for them, saying, Lord, you know, help them understand this. Hey, Lord, this pastor out there, he's, he's, a, he's, a, good, he's a good preacher. He loves you. Lord, I, I think he's kind of sending a wrong message with what he's doing here. Lord, you need to show him. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to a lot of these deep things, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches. And I can promise you right now, I'm not going to teach anybody anything. If I'm in their face, calling them false prophet, just hammering them online, I'm not going to accomplish anything by that. Okay, I might, I might accomplish creating a lynch mob and getting some attention for myself for a little while. But in the meantime, I'm tearing down a good, you know, a good man, good people, and just getting puffed up in the meantime. And it's a wicked attitude. Let me tell you something about lynch mobs. All right, this is just this is just a little bit of wisdom here for you. Everyone who participates in lynch mobs eventually gets lynched themselves. Okay, so the next time you see, you know, the people with their torches and pitchforks, and you think, man, this looks like fun. Because who doesn't want to go to a good lynching, right? Just remember, the excitement of that person that they lynched is going to wear off before too long. And they're going to want to do it again. And eventually it's going to whittle down to you. So just keep that in mind and maybe just stay away from that type of thing. So with that, let's close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to... Uh, over these next weeks, take these things that we learn and apply them to our life. Lord, help us to be spiritual people. Help us to uh, have some discernment in our life. Lord, help us to learn how to yield uh, to your spirit and not just to our wisdom so we can actually get things right and not make a lot of the big mistakes that uh, Christians can make. And you'll just help us to uh, learn the truths of your word, Lord, not so we can get puffed up, not so we can show how we're better than other people, but so we can just rejoice in you. And just have a, a closer walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's.